Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Glad you can join me on a nice uh, winter afternoon in Chico. It's that time of year. I kind of like the fact that it's not raining a lot lately, but we did have a lot of rain. I heard there's some kind of record snowpack, so hopefully the drought might be ending. So that would be good news. It's still cold, but at least Chico has seasons, which is kind of nice. I know if you live in places like Hawaii and the tropics, they don't really get cold at all. It's kind of nice to have seasons, but I'm looking forward to the end of winter. Of course, winter also means the start of another income tax season. I'm looking forward to this one. One thing about the income tax, if if it's if the law that changed in 2018 is not renewed, it all goes back to the old law as of the beginning of 2026 and there's just been so much tax saved, especially by uh, businesses that have a lot of depreciation advantages right now. It's been really nice for the business owners to be able to write off depreciation. It's it's called bonus depreciation. It was 100%, and now it's going down to 80%. But what that means is if you spend $10,000 on a piece of business equipment, 8000 of it is immediately able to be written off with bonus depreciation. And it's just helped a lot of business people. And like I've said before on Business Buzz, most people have had lower taxes since 2018 kicked in. There's a few people whose tax went up, but it's a small percentage. I, I always agree with tax cuts. I was actually working in the tax business doing income taxes during the Reagan tax cuts in the late 80s, and they were really, really big. But then again, they also changed some rules that some people's taxes actually went up even though the rates went down. There's always some exceptions when tax rates go down because there's a trade-off with certain deductions being limited. So both of the large tax cuts that I've been a party to as a tax preparer during those, they've both had a few trade-offs where some people ended up paying more tax, but most people end up paying less, and I think that's the most important thing. There were tax increases, especially for high-income people, uh, during uh, around 2013. It was sort of the Obama-era not that Obama did it, but he would have signed it. And taxes actually went up, especially on people with higher incomes. So that's sort of a debate on whether you agree with that or not. I believe that the less tax you charge people, the better your economy will end up being because there'll be more money left to spend, either by a consumer with, with more take-home pay or by a business that's able to make more money and pay less tax. They can hire more people. They can buy more equipment. Of course, that was really nice when the equipment was manufactured in the United States. That would be like a a double benefit, but there's still benefits to investments and 
companies that make a profit? Well, business buzz. As far as Chico business, one thing I notice is ever since the event that happened in 2020, restaurants and places to go have just really limited their hours. I've noticed that if you want to go out and have a meal like Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday, you're very limited in what's available. A lot of places don't really open until Wednesday. So it's just kind of a, just a little tougher to find a place to go and If you do want to go out and spend some money, I have also noticed that prices are just really getting high. Uh, Dinners and it used to be that seafood was expensive and beef wasn't. Now I've noticed that a seafood dinner can be in the 20s, but a steak dinner is now mostly in the 40s. And that's kind of shocking. So I guess beef is expensive. I noticed there was another egg factory somewhere in maybe South America that burned to the ground. I saw one. I didn't read the whole thing, but there was something in the Midwest, another giant egg factory burned down. I don't know what's with these egg factories burning down, but no wonder eggs are getting more expensive. Now, the price has dropped in the last few weeks. There seemed to have been a peak maybe early January where eggs were averaging $7 a dozen in here in California. Now it's closer to 6 But that's still a lot more than it used to be. It's getting pretty expensive to go to the store. The other day I went to the grocery store. I grabbed some cash just because it's so much easier. If I'm buying something that's not a tax deduct, in other words, if I'm buying a business expense, if I'm heading out to the office depot to buy office supplies, then I'll definitely charge it on a card and a debit card so that it shows up, even though I save all my receipts, obviously. It shows up very easy to post when it's in a bank statement saying Office Depot for $70 or whatever I spent. But when I go to the grocery store, I'm not deducting that as a business expense. So it's really not that important for me to have a debit listed of that store like Safeway or Rayleigh's. So the other day, I was just picking up a few items on my way home, and I grabbed a couple hundred dollars cash, put it in my pocket, and figured, out oh, no problem. And I'll be darned, I got to the checkout, and there goes the balance, up and up and up. And I had three items left on the belt, and I was already up to like 185 And I knew each one of those three items was around 10 or $11. So I told the checker, take these two and just put them aside. I I only brought a certain amount of cash. So I had to leave two items on the check stand, at the check stand, and they had to put them back in the shelves because I only brought $200 cash. And this was not a large, giant visit to the store like you'd see a family at Food for Less with a cart six feet high of groceries. This was just me grabbing a few things. Unbelievable that that could come to $200 just like that. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, but it's just my commentary. I mean, business buzz, 
business in Chico. I know the contractors are all very busy doing well, making money. The insurance guys are doing well, making money. I'm a licensed insurance agent. I don't do it full time, but uh, I do respect the people who do sell insurance because it's a lot of knowledge you need and a lot of work you need to do to get that done. So I'll encourage you to appreciate your insurance person that uh, does a lot of work on your behalf. And if anything does ever happen, which you hope it doesn't, if you have a good insurance person and a good insurance company, you'll be made whole, as they say, by a good policy. So my daily reading, listening, I try to enjoy fun subjects for myself. Uh, I have some hobbies that I like. I enjoy music. I really enjoy photography. I don't get out and do enough of it. And I, when I do get a free day, which isn't very often, I do love just grabbing a camera and taking pictures of something. I usually find that the topic I'm most interested in is architecture. I like old buildings. I like deserted. I like abandoned places. A lot of times in the evening, if I get a little time to just watch some television, I'll turn on YouTube and watch. There's some people that do YouTube videos of exploring abandoned Big mansions, it's pretty interesting. Large mansions that are abandoned, they go in and kind of look around all the rooms. It's pretty interesting. I, For some reason, I'm drawn to abandoned buildings and old things. When I was young, I've probably mentioned it on Business Buzz before, but when I was young, my dad was a big ghost town buff, and we visited almost every western ghost town there is in one way or another. When I was doing that, that would have been the late 60s, early 70s when I was young teens. Maybe mid-70s, still I was maybe 16 or so. What's interesting is a lot of the ghost towns I visited during that era, which is now 50 years ago, they aren't ghost towns anymore. I look them up on YouTube to see what's going on with places like My favorite was Elkhorn, Montana. There was Garnet. That was a good one. Silver City, Idaho, I believe. That one might not have been deserted at the time. Oh, there's just so many. I I honestly can't remember all the names right now. Rhyolite was a good one. That's in Nevada. They were just fascinating places, and back then they were empty. Now, people have settled in them. I guess it's inexpensive living. You could probably kind of squat in an old stone building and fix it up a little bit and live in it, I guess. I don't know. Some of those ghost towns have been made into, like, state parks. One that's a real good one to visit is Bodie, California. It's not, it's deserted, but it's a state park, and there's rangers, and there's a lot of tourists there all the time, but... That's a really good one. It's about, I believe, about a 45-minute drive on a gravel road. So unless you have a car that's, I mean, I wouldn't go there in a 
family sedan. I guess you could, but it's going to beat your car up a little bit being off the pavement. But Bodie's a really good one for the number of buildings that are there. But since it's a state park, it's either a state park or a state monument, they do keep they keep the tourists out from, you know, you can't go inside the buildings, I don't believe. But that's a good one. But I think the fact that I've seen all those old ghost towns when I was young, that's probably why I like all these abandoned buildings, but I really do like those. And I notice that when I look at my pictures that I go through from my cameras over the years, I do notice that when I have free time of my own, I do get attracted. When I have my camera with me, I get attracted to abandoned buildings and ghost town type places, and it's just kind of fun. I don't know why. Of course, Nevada City is a good place for that. Grass Valley, Nevada City has a lot of old buildings. Of course, they aren't deserted, but the architecture is still there. That's a pretty fun place to go. The other interesting thing is prices in the camera market. I'll talk about that after the first break a little bit because generally prices of used items go down as they get older. But it's interesting, these days there's cameras that are actually going up in price. It's kind of kind of strange and it has sort of to do with shortages. And I think I'll call it the incident of 2020. I think that led to a lot of demand for things like cameras and things. So I'm Harold Littlejohn. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. I'll be right back. Do you know there are many nations now that do not protect the right to life of innocent human beings? And then entire classes of human beings can now be killed. People who have not done anything wrong, but are simply seen as less than human. Human lives that need no longer continue. Listen Saturdays at 6 on KKXX. The U.S. Department of Transportation says texting while driving is on the rise and quickly becoming a leading cause of accidents and fatalities. So please do your part. Put the phone down when driving. The life you save just may be your own or that of a loved one. This message from Flores HVAC and Construction, where they say service isn't just a courtesy, it's a commitment. For more information, call 530-635-2798. That's 530-635-2798. For Flores HVAC and Construction, 2393 Durham-Dayton Highway in Durham. The people we call the unchurched often have a very different view than we have. Yeah, man, I believe there's a God, a higher spirit, whatever you want to call it. You can have faith in anything you want. There are many different views on God out there, so we want to be the station where people can tune in and find some real truth presented in a relevant, respectful way. Did you know that about a third of our audience doesn't even go to any church at all? Well, thanks to your financial support of our ministries, we're able to be here with a message for everyone. People who go to church and people who don't. Tell your friends about Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Glad you can spend part of your busy day with me. 
Always a pleasure to be in Chico any time of year. This time of year is fine. I have to really start putting in some long hours so I don't get behind. It's easy for a tax office to get behind this time of year. I'm trying not to. So I was talking about things that actually go up in price when they're used. That's kind of interesting. So I thought I'd just share a little bit with you on that. About a year or a year ago, it was the end of 2021. And I realized that with the digital camera world, you know, photography is one of the main things that really, really changed with the internet. Film went away pretty for 99%. Digital cameras took over. Dark rooms went away. And now you develop your film basically in programs on your computer. Really makes it fun. I'm glad it's that way. So I had some film cameras that I always was a film camera nut. I was a high school journalist. I was the photographer on my high school newspaper. I had a dark room at home. My mom was kind enough to let me take an extra bedroom when I was in high school and turn it into a black and white dark room. I appreciate that. Of course, now that I look back on it, it's sort of like my parents were probably pretty happy for anything we could, anything they could do to keep my brother and I at home having fun instead of going out somewhere to have fun. I mean, I'm just thinking that's sort of the way that might have been. But I set up a dark room in the extra bedroom at our house, and I learned how to do black and white. I didn't always develop a lot of film because that developing the film. If you make a mistake on that, your whole roll is shot and the pictures are gone forever. So a lot of times I would get the film developed at a store just to be safe. I did do some film developing, but not when it was an important role. So I would do the film developing at a store that I would get the negatives and I would do the printing in my black and white darkroom with an enlarger and three trays of chemicals and I still remember you know they say that smell uh, I can't remember it's not auditory that's sound but the smell nerves or whatever are the ones you remember the most I remember certain smells like when we would drive by the Kilpatrick's bakery in Oakland on the freeway ever if it was in the morning you could smell that Kilpatrick's bread baking it was the best smell ever but I do remember the smell of the developer in my trays when I was printing uh, black and white photos. And that, that was really fun. I enjoyed the darkroom work, but I don't miss it. It's not something that I was like in love with. There are, if you go to YouTube, I mentioned YouTube because it's the place with the most videos on all these topics. But if you go to YouTube... There are lots of guys who still enjoy doing the darkroom and the developing and the film cameras. and So, which gets me back to my story. It was the end of 21, and I honestly had a digital camera that I really wanted, but I couldn't justify taking money out of the bank to buy it. So, I thought to myself, hmm, I have some film cameras that I'm not using anymore that are probably valuable now and 
lo and behold, it turns out I sold them on eBay. And I almost doubled my money versus what I paid for them. Now, I had bought them. This is probably 20 years ago I had probably bought these. But still, the fact that to have something that went up in price, and I'm going to talk about some other digital cameras that have gone up in price in a minute. But this was interesting because the brand of these cameras, and I spent decent money on these in the 90s, and I was more of a camera collector than a, I mean, I didn't need these cameras. Anybody who's into cameras, you realize that a basic, inexpensive Sears camera with a decent lens will take just as good a picture as a, and this is the camera I sold, a Leica M6 that I paid probably in the early 90s. I paid $1,000 for this body, and that was a bargain at the time. I found one for $1,000 in a, it was a classified ad in the San Francisco Chronicle. I took a chance and uh, met the guy in the Bay Area and bought it, and uh, it was a great camera, but like I say, honestly, if you're a camera bug, I'd say digital cameras are probably more it's probably more important to spend money on a good digital camera than it would be on a good film camera because you can use the same best film if you have a $50 Sears SLR camera versus a $2,000 Nikon F6, which is the top of the line best film camera ever made, I believe. But you're going to get the same picture because the lenses... I mean, of course, Nikon has good lenses, but I'm just saying with film cameras, it's really the film and the developing and the enlarging and the printing. And I think it's really kind of a waste to spend a lot of money on a film camera when the exposure and the film you can buy would be the same with a cheap film camera. So that's just my opinion. So at the end of 21, I decided to sell my Leica equipment. And I'll be darned, I got almost twice of what I have paid. I sold the body, the M6 body, and two lenses. And I believe I had probably paid for the body and the two lenses total, maybe $2,000 way back when. And I'll be darned, on eBay, they sold for about $5,000, which was pretty cool. And what I, my point of that is that there are certain things that go up in value. Turns out Leica film cameras did. Now, I have other film cameras that I collected for fun. They've gone down in value. I won't sell those because I won't get much for them. I have some old Nikon cameras that I probably paid two or $300 for back when people were still using film. And now I'd be, I'd be lucky to get 50 or $60 if I went to sell them because... Nobody wants film cameras to use anymore. It's only the collect. Now, the Leica people do. So Leica is the exception. And uh, I sold those and I was happy to sell them because I bought the camera I wanted, which is a digital camera that, like I say, it's a good one. I really enjoy it. But I could not justify spending my own cash out of the bank for a digital camera. I just, I don't need it. I'm not a professional photographer. I do use my cameras 
uh, for uh, web website work, but uh, generally, I just enjoy taking pictures, and it's it's more of a fun thing. What I did find out in the 1980s is I turned my love of photography into a job one summer. I've probably told you about that on Business Buzz. I worked for a local photographer doing weddings and printing and studio portraits. And it turned out that having a job in the photography business sort of ruined the fun of photography. So I never tried that again. And that was a good lesson for me because it taught me that, no, some things should just stay as a hobby, enjoy them, have fun, kind of like playing music and playing the guitar. Don't try to make a living out of it. Oh, I'm not good enough anyway, but don't try to make a living out of it because it'll kind of ruin it'll kind of ruin the fun of it. So for me, photography is just a real fun thing and it was nice to be able to sell something for more than I thought it was worth. So I, I enjoyed that. But when we come back on Business Buzz, I'm going to talk some more about... I'm going to talk a little bit about digital cameras and what I've noticed on some of those. And then we're going to get back to my favorite subject, which is the coming problems with inflation. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. I'll be back in just a little bit. God, the creator of death? This is Ken Ham, author of the new devotional commentary on Genesis, Creation to Babel. Did God use evolution to create? Well, consider what that means. According to evolutionary ideas, billions and billions of creatures have lived and died as life slowly evolved greater complexity. If this is how God created, then the almighty, all-wise, all-knowing God couldn't get creation right. He needed millions of years of random processes and trial and error to finally figure it out. That's not the God of the Bible. And this puts millions of years of death before sin in God's very good creation. And death is described as the consequence of sin, so it can't come before sin. God didn't use evolution. He created in six days. Want to know more about creation, evolution, and the age of the earth? Visit us at AnswersRadio.com and subscribe for free daily email insights from Ken Ham at AnswersRadio.com. This message reaches a million people or more every week. Spreading the gospel is more than one voice speaking to a million. It is and must continue to be a million voices, each speaking to one, pointing them to our friend Jesus. The Lutheran Hour with Dr. Michael Ziegler. The Lutheran Hour, Saturday and Sunday at 1.30, here on KKXX. This is Big Mo inviting you to join me at the American Red Cross fundraiser celebrating those who give. Thursday, March 16th at the Manzanita Place in Chico. Come to enjoy dinner and volunteer recognition awards, support your local Red Cross, and hang out with me and the Full Moon Bank. Join your American Red Cross Thursday, March 16th at Manzanita Place in Chico. Dinner, Nohoff's cocktails, volunteer awards, and Big Mo and the Full Moon Band. Tickets are $100. Call 566-7538 or online tickets at redcross.org slash celebrate rc Twenty-three. 
Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. We're talking business, and I mentioned the business of money. I brought a few interesting articles that I wanted to share with you. The first one is called 80% of all U.S. dollars in existence have been printed in just the last two years. That's pretty interesting. So, it says, thanks to, I'm just reading a little bit of this. This actually came from um, the freethoughtproject.com. I'm not sure who actually wrote this, but that's the name of the website I found it at. It says, thanks to the trillions of dollars the Federal Reserve has printed over the last two years, America is currently in an inflation crisis. One need only look at the price of groceries over the last two years to realize just how bad of a crisis we are currently experiencing. So have any of you noticed uh, the price of things lately? I noticed some eggs, some eggs at the grocery store. The the basic ones I bought, I mean, they aren't basic, but they're like, you know, the organic free range kind. I think I paid $6 for a dozen and there was one fancy-looking organic free-range one from some other farm, and it was $10 for a dozen. I couldn't believe it, because I know we used to get eggs not that long ago for about 3 or $4 a carton, a, a dozen. And I think I paid 6 or 7 the other day. I mean, I could have got some for less, but I think, I think the least expensive ones were still like $5. So that's not good. If any of you are on fixed incomes, at least, I mean, I know the, the Social Security this year has given a raise, a cost of living adjustment raise of, I think, 5 point, I think it's 5.9 or 6.1, something like that. Of course, the real inflation is probably about 15 or 20 percent, but you're getting six, but that's better than nothing. But it never quite makes up for what, it never quite makes up for what's really going on with all of the prices. And they're not factoring in homes. I just talked to a client today who, uh, after the fire, his rental in Chico rented for 2,100 a month, but that was because insurance was paying it. So that would have been over three years ago. Then after the insurance money ran out, the tenants were paying 1,800 a month. And I talked to this client today the new rate of rent after the lease expired is now $2,600 a month. So that alone, even starting with the, even starting with the $2,100, that alone is about probably eight or nine percent annual over three years. It's just, uh, it's amazing. So I believe the CPI, which is the Consumer Price Index, the one that the government uses to do these kind of cost of living adjustments on the social security. I believe they don't count real housing costs. They do some kind of weird index that they can play with and make as low as they want because the lower they make it, the less they have to pay out. It's pretty incredible. So this article says, 
While these corporations are not innocent in this debacle, the role of America's central bank is far more insidious, and that's the Federal Reserve. As government spending has skyrocketed over the last two years, they have financed their massive expenditures by stealing value from your savings, by printing more money through the central bank. When you print more money, it means there are more dollars chasing the same amount of goods and services, which causes prices to rise. In just the past three fiscal years, federal spending has swollen to nearly $7 trillion a year, up from about $4.4 trillion in fiscal year 2019. Spending was $6.6 trillion in 2020 and $6.8 trillion in 2021. If we want to put this into perspective, we can take a look at the monetary supply at the beginning of 2020, which showed just four and a little more trillion in circulation. By January 2021, that number had jumped up to 6.7 trillion, but this was only the beginning. By November of last year, that number climbed to $20.354 trillion in circulation meaning that since January 2020, the United States has printed nearly 80% of all U.S. dollars in existence. This is according to the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System and not some conspiracy theory either. And then it shows some charts where you can look that up. Not coincidentally, the Consumer Price Index, which tracks the cost of everyday items, has seen a similar increase. It's shot up a whopping 6.8% over the past year, the biggest increase in almost 40 years. Gas is up 51%, beef is up 20%, and furniture up by 11%. Since 1913, all of this taxation, inflation, and fiscal irresponsibility has been facilitated largely by the group responsible for printing America's currency, the infamous privately owned Federal Reserve Bank. Unfortunately, we are entering uncharted waters in regard to money printing, and even the mainstream media is being forced to report on it now. Instead of proposing solutions to the policies which Trump and Biden have championed to get us into this debacle, the Biden administration is doubling down by throwing another $2 trillion at the problem through the Build Back Better plan. Well, that didn't pass, so... I'm not sure how old this article is, but Build Back Better didn't pass. So we'll see what happens. I'll just read a little bit about the past here. It mentions, unfortunately, that did not happen. The U.S. is setting itself setting itself up for a situation similar to that of Germany's Weimar Republic. During this time, this was like 1921 or something, the Weimar Republic printed so much money that the price of bread rose from 250 to 200,000 million marks almost overnight. The mark was so worthless that people literally brought wheelbarrows full of money with them when wanting to buy things like groceries. Mass suffering and hunger were widespread, and it was all thanks to terrible monetary policy. And this article says, will this happen in America? We can't say for certain. But if we look at the chart below from 1922 Germany, we can see a pattern which is repeating here. Anyway, you know, I've talked about this before on Business Buzz. I'm not going to beat a dead horse, as they say. But 
something's got to give. I don't know how long this whole charade can last, but you can't print your you can't print your way to wealth. Wealth is in goods and services. It's not in digital money in the bank. And they talk about digital currency, but when you when you think about your money, it's really all digital already. It's digital in your bank account. It's digital in your uh, retirement account. If you have stocks and mutual funds, that's pretty much digital too. So all I'm saying is be careful. You just never know what might happen. Well, stay tuned to Business Buzz. I'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Thanks for spending some time today with me. This is Harold Littlejohn, CPA, and I'll be right back. America, bless God. Fellow Americans, your hearing this admonition establishes that you are one who cares for the America that has been so blessed by Almighty God. We implore you to embrace the laws of nature and of nature's God, to read and know the Constitution. Join with other moral and religious people and organizations to foster the blessings of liberty for ourselves and our posterity. America, bless God. Hello, this is Samantha Landy, and I bring you Psalms of Hope. Heard here on Life Radio every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon. So do tune in and join me for beautiful music and an encouraging word from the Lord. Psalms of Hope with Samantha Landy, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon, here on KKXX. Hi, I'm E.J. Williams. Each year, millions of animals are abandoned, and more than a million are euthanized before they can be rescued. Organizations like American Humane are working to harness the healing power of the human-animal bond, as animals can be trained as life-saving service and therapy dogs to help veterans, the elderly, and children with special needs to overcome the obstacles of everyday life. To find out how you can help give animals and the people they help a new leash on life, please visit AmericanHumane.org. Join the American Red Cross Thursday, March 16th at Manzanita Place in Chico. It's an evening to recognize our volunteers and raise money. Hi, this is Big Mo inviting you to join me at the American Red Cross fundraiser celebrating those who give. Thursday, March 16th at the Manzanita Place in Chico. So come to enjoy dinner and volunteer recognition awards support your local Red Cross and hang out with me and the Full Moon Band. Join your American Red Cross Thursday, March 16th at Manzanita Place in Chico. Dinner, no-host cocktails, volunteer awards, and Big Mo and the Full Moon Band. Tickets are $100. Call 566-7538 or online tickets at redcross.org slash celebrate RC23.
Good afternoon. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. So glad you have a chance to spend part of your busy day with me. I really do appreciate that. I had a phone call the other day and somebody, it was an actual, it was a retired teacher who gave me an A plus on my previous show. Thank you very much. I do appreciate those kind of phone calls. Makes me feel good. Makes me feel like it's all worth the time and effort to do business buzz. Very happy about that. So I rambled on and on about my interest in photography and music and uh, selling cameras for more than I paid. I thought that was very interesting. But now we have to get down to brass tacks. Back to the real purpose I'm here is to try to help you. And I'm concerned that hyperinflation is going to kill the dollars you have in the bank and in your stock accounts. And I have an article here called Welcome to the Death Spiral. Sounds scary, but it's exactly what I've been talking about on Business Buzz for months, if not years. I found it on ZeroHedge.com, my favorite news source that I look at every day. And it's an article by a man named John Rubino, R-U-B-I-N-O. It was from February 6th, 2023. And it's called Welcome to the Death Spiral. And I'm just going to read some of it right now. Gold bugs and other long-suffering critics of fiat currency and endless credit expansion have for decades been predicting that soaring debt would eventually blow up the financial world. As the story went, governments with unlimited printing presses would spend and borrow too much, forcing their central banks to keep interest rates unnaturally low to make interest costs manageable, which would encourage even more credit growth, causing inflation to spike, and so on, until everyone loses faith in fiat currencies and the misbegotten things fall to their intrinsic value of zero. And he means paper dollars. That's a bit hard to visualize when it's explained in long, convoluted sentences, but it's a lot clearer when you line up the relevant charts. So let's start with U.S. government debt, which has gone parabolic. And I encourage you to look at this article. If you type in zero hedge death spiral, it'll come right up. But the chart is amazing. It's U.S. government debt 1960 to 2022. And it's like flat from about 60 to 79 or 80. Then it starts ramping up. Remember, that's the Reagan era. Everybody acts like Ronald Reagan was some savior. He's the one who started all the federal deficit spending because interest rates were going down and he could. That's exactly what this article is talking about. But this chart is shocking because it starts really going up in 2000. It jumps really up in 08 during the 08 financial crisis. And then it virtually goes straight up since 2020 with the incident of 2020. I won't, I won't give it the honor of a name like pandemic. I'm just going to call it the incident because I believe it was man-made all the way around. And that is a straight line and that means we're in trouble. So let me continue reading. Ever-increasing debt is manageable if interest rates fall concurrently so the interest on that debt doesn't change. And that's what happened between 1980 and 2021. The Fed pushed down interest rates, which minimized interest costs, 
which lulled a shockingly gullible investment community and political class into the belief that the process could continue forever. I don't print on both sides of the page anymore. That is just, that, that gives me a headache. He says, but of course it couldn't continue forever. As the critics predicted, soaring debt required ever greater currency creation, with ev- which eventually caused the cost of living to jump by 10% in 2022, leading regular people to demand that it stop. So the Fed now has to raise interest rates to counter inflation. You can see this happening on the far right of the above chart. So the next chart he's showing is the 10-year Treasury note yield interest rate, and it basically declined, not in a straight line, but a jagged line, all the way from 1980 down to 2020, that magical year. And now it's turned up. So that's what he's showing is that for the first time it's seriously turned upwards. Says here's where the death spiral kicks in. As the U.S. borrows more money and its existing debts roll over at higher rates, the cost of that debt is soaring. This year the government's annual interest bill will break $1 trillion. Combine that with the soaring cost of Medicare and Social Security as millions of baby boomers retire and Washington is looking at $2 trillion a year just in interest and entitlements, which it will have to borrow to fund, which will send interest costs even higher, which will require more borrowing, and so on, until it all comes crashing down. So then the next chart is U.S. government interest expense, and it's basically a mirror of that debt chart I talked about before, where it lifts off around 1980 and it just is going straight up since since the year of the incident. Here's another useful way of visualizing the problem. As debt rises, the internal rate required to keep debt service costs from eating all of a government's tax receipt falls. In the U.S.'s case, those two lines are in danger of crossing in the next few years. No society has ever survived that kind of fiscal crisis. So as I've pointed out before on Business Buzz, no, uh, the average paper money lives for 27 years, and that's for the last 1,000 years. Well, paper money, I told you, it started in China about 1,000 years ago. So the average paper currency lasts 27 years, and this is why. Because governments just cannot help printing money. They love spending money. They love printing money. Then the next chart he shows shows these two merging, which is the death spiral. Say, to the extent that the Fed knows anything, it knows this and really, really wants to force that blue line down into negative territory if possible. That's the interest expense. But it also knows that doing so will send prices spiraling out of control which is another way of saying the dollar will crash, not necessarily against the euro and the yen, which have similar problems, but against oil, lumber, eggs, milk, cars, and all the other things voters buy regularly. The result? Political and financial chaos. 
And there's nothing that the monetary authorities can do to stop it because either choice, keep interest rates high or push them back down, leads to the same place, which is a currency crisis. Meanwhile, each turn of the wheel makes the problem more intractable and the collapse more imminent. That's when the term death spiral refers to a process that feeds on itself until the system implodes. So that is a nice short article. That's a nice short article that basically summarizes what I've been saying on Business Buzz for a long time, and you know I've been saying it, but since I found that nice succinct article that I enjoyed reading, it basically summarized it in just a matter of minutes. So the rest of my printouts here, I'm going to save for the next Business Buzz because I'm getting low on time. And what do I do when I'm getting low on time and I've beat a dead horse? Oh, that was something I wanted to look up. There's a, and I have to look it up while I'm talking. There's a famous Woody Woody Allen. I don't like him personally, but I think he's funny in his movies. So I apologize for quoting him. And uh, I have to bring this up because I enjoy this quote. I got to find it first. So his quote that relates to what I was saying is, I'd call him a sadistic, hypophilic necrophile, but that would be beating a dead horse. So anyway, I don't like to overdo a topic here on Business Buzz. So I'm just going to read a few minutes of my favorite book, A Course in Miracles. If you don't like A Course in Miracles, you can always hit the volume knob or the dial or the off button. But I've actually turned to page 673 of the text. It's chapter, so it's uh, chapter 27. It's part 7. And it's called The Dreamer of the Dream. So for the last few minutes, let's just relax and enjoy these last few minutes together on Business Buzz. So this is one of my favorite, favorite little parts of a chapter called The Dreamer of the Dream. And it goes something like this. Suffering is an emphasis upon all the world, all that the world has done to injure you. Here is the world's demented version of salvation clearly shown. Like to a dream of punishment in which the dreamer is unconscious of what brought on the attack against himself, he sees himself attacked unjustly and by something not himself. He is the victim of this something else, a thing outside himself, for which he has no reason to be held responsible. He must be innocent because he knows not what he does, but what is done to him. Yet is his own attack upon himself apparent still, for it is he who bears the suffering, and he cannot escape because its source is seen outside himself. Okay, that was the first paragraph. I want you to just think about, uh, think about those dreams you have when you go to sleep at night. Okay, I'm going to read the second paragraph. 
Now you are being shown you can escape. All that is needed is you look upon the problem as it is and not the way that you have set it up. How could there be another way to solve a problem that is very simple but has been obscured by heavy clouds of complication which were made to keep the problem unresolved? Without the clouds, the problem will emerge in all its primitive simplicity. The choice will not be difficult because the problem is absurd when clearly seen. No one has difficulty making up his mind to let a simple problem be resolved if it is seen as hurting him and also very easily removed. The reasoning by which the world is made, on which it rests, by which it is maintained, is simply this. Quote, you are the cause of what I do. Your presence justifies my wrath, and you exist and think apart from me. While you attack, I must be innocent, and what I suffer from is your attack. End quote. No one who looks upon this reasoning exactly as it is could fail to see it does not follow, and it makes no sense. Yet it seems sensible because it looks as if the world were hurting you. And so it seems as if there is no need to go beyond the obvious in terms of cause. There is indeed a need. The world's escape from condemnation is a need which those within the world are joined in sharing, yet they do not recognize their common need. For each one thinks that if he does his part, the condemnation of the world will rest on him. And it is this that he perceives to be his part in its deliverance. Vengeance must have a focus. Otherwise is the avenger's knife in his own hand and pointed to himself. And he must see it in another's hand if he would be a victim of attack he did not choose. And thus he suffers from the wounds a knife he does not hold has made upon himself. This is the purpose of the world he sees. And looked at thus, the world provides the means by which this purpose seems to be fulfilled. The means attest the purpose, but are not themselves a cause. Well, I hate to leave you there, but we're out of time on Business Buzz. Stay tuned. Next time, I'll try to resolve that weird issue. And just remember that if you look upon the world itself as a dream, you realize that there is a way out of the suffering. Thanks for listening to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA, and I will talk with you next time on Business Buzz. Thanks for listening.